WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson, and, and let me also say a happy 4th of July, everybody. We got a, a really special guest I think you're going to enjoy this week. It comes after a busy few months for Charlotte City leaders, one controversial issue after another. This week, City Council decided to push back all local elections to next spring. Charlotte already postponed district races because of the delayed census data. And this week, council voted to push back the mayoral and at-large races as well. The city's primary election for all races will now take place March 8th. The general election will be held March 20 or April 26th. So mark your calendars. Now our special guest joining us today, Charlotte Mayor Vi Lyles. Mayor, thanks for coming on. I want to join you, Ben, in saying happy 4th of July weekend to all of the people in our city and all of our residents. Um, I want to say, especially, I want to thank our first responders, our police, fire, and EMTs who will be out this weekend to make sure that the 4th of July holiday is safe. And that I just want everyone to celebrate, watch out for those fireworks, be careful, and let's have a great 4th of July. Well said, well said, uh, and, and uh, hopefully a more normal 4th of July than we had last year. Um, yes. Let, let me uh, talk, let's talk about the elections. I know the district races, for folks who don't follow this, it sort of gets nuanced and, uh, and confusing. We had to postpone the district races because it, it is required by law that these districts specifically are representative and, and that they have the most current census data. That's, that's the reason those had to be delayed. But your race and, and say the at-large seats that just basically represent all of Charlotte, they didn't necessarily have to be delayed. Why do you think it was important to just go ahead and push them all back to next spring? I think there were two reasons for this. The first reason was that um, people are confused about the schedule since the Trump administration um, did the census and manipulated so much of when the data would come out. We won't really get real data on the census until um, September the 30th. And so if you're going to have two elections and um, you've been a regular voter and you're going to have to choose um, one election and then another, we think that that creates a lot of confusion and chaos, which I think was maybe the intent behind some of this delay. You know, when we were talking with people, many groups came before us and asked that we have an election that did not uh, confuse the voters. And I think the council understood that. But more importantly, I think in this city, when you go to vote, you vote for the mayor, you vote for four at large seats, and you vote for your district. That's five of the 11 seats. And to be able to do that at one time, that means you might choose someone that has a special interest to you. Like for me, it would be affordable housing. Will they support affordable housing? But you know, you may also want someone that's gonna be fiscally conservative. And so the idea of being able to have people that you choose, not us, we choose, you people, the voters choose is really important. Um, let me ask you this. Do you expect one year from right now, July of next year, you'll still be the mayor of Charlotte? You know, I'm really proud to be mayor of Charlotte. Um, this past, um, it, it's almost like because of the virus that we had to pause and stop what we were doing. And you said in the, um, that, that you've said that we're taking on a lot of big issues because we didn't for over 14 months. 
And so now we have to begin to think about what the city begins to be in the future, making big decisions to move us forward. Um, so I hope to be a part of that. I really do. So that sounds like you are, are, are running and you expect to win. You know what? I've been in the city a very long time. I've, I've been a resident, I've been an advocate, I've been a council member. Um, I, I expect to be in the city a very long time. This is my home. As mayor? It's been really great to be mayor. Now, are you trying to get me to say something that I'm going to run for re-election? No, I just, I, it's, a, it's a question. <laughs> Do you, if you expect to still be mayor a year from now? I expect the mayor's job to be continuously about the progress in the city, and um, I'm all about that myself. Okay, all right, fair enough. Uh, let's move to another issue. City Council is planning ex on expanding its non-discrimination ordinance next month. You, you mentioned it a few weeks ago. Uh, now, the city led the state five years ago with one until the state knocked it down. That ban preventing another one uh, expired a few months ago. Several towns, several counties have since passed mm -hmm. one. Why? Uh, a lot of people want to know why has it taken so long for Charlotte, which led the way five years ago, to pass one? Then that is a great question because um, I think people have been curious about this, but I'm going to say I've been pretty clear in my statement. We had a 2040 plan to do, and we have been working on that for as many years as we've supported the non-discrimination ordinance. You look at this council, the people that are on this council have voted for the non-discrimination ordinance. There's never been any idea that there wasn't support for it. But we did have the the virus. We did have the um, deadline that was set. We did have the 2040 plan. We had a budget. I hope everybody recognizes the budget was really, really strong in addressing our equity issues. And so I think just in terms of how do we get to things that we do in a, in a thorough and, and equitable way, we did the 2040 plan, the budget, the 2040 plan, and now we do the non-discrimination ordinance August the 9th. Do you understand people's frustration? They feel like that, that it's been, been not been prioritized in the way it should have been? Yes, I, I understand frustration a lot. There, there are so many issues in this um, growing city that we have to address. So I understand frustration. We have frustration. You know what the number one issue is on my emails now? Carriage horses. And so there's frustration all across on many, many different issues. And so I think that this council has been really strong in saying, let's get the big things done. Let's focus on what the community wants, but also those things that will impact the community better. Wait, well, we, gotta, we, we gotta go back to that. What's the number one issue you get in your emails? Carriage horses. Um, you know, in many communities, um, we have the horse rides up, the carriages uptown for an amenity for um, visitors and tourism. And in other communities, they have more regulations. And we've been asked to go from regulating more to actually banning them. Wow. Okay. And where do you stand on this issue? I don't have a stand. I have, I have a stand on a lot of things right now. Um, but I would say that we're going to look at it just like we do anything else. We'll look at it thoroughly. We'll make those adjustments as necessary, and we'll see how the public feels about it. So what does the mayor think about Charlotte's future, say the rest of this year and next year, post-pandemic? More of our interview with Mayor Vi Lyles right after this. We 
you're really desperate. Local business owner Craig Ray applied for a government loan to keep his business going. But when his request got stalled, Craig contacted the defenders and asked, where's the money? I know that after you contacted them, things moved pretty fast. Just glad we could help you. If you're asking where's the money and feeling financial pressure, the WCNC Charlotte Defenders are here to help. Email us at thedefenders at wcnc.com. We're there to get you answers to where's the money, only on WCNC Charlotte. Welcome back to Flashpoint. This week on this Independence Day weekend, we have a very special guest, Charlotte Mayor Vi Lyles, talking about some of the controversial issues city leaders have been tackling over the last few months. Uh, you mentioned the budget a moment ago. Um, the, the, the good news for a lot of folks did not include a tax increase, but one part that got people talking um, was pay raises for, for you and city council. Um, you'll make roughly $40,000 a year, I think, plus a stipend, council members $33,000 a year. Um, anytime we talk about this, uh, Mayor, on, on Flashpoint, I always remind people, you technically have a part-time job. <laughs> and I put that in air quotes because I think that's sort of ridiculous because, I mean, I think no matter who's in your job, whether it's you or Pat McCrory or Anthony Fox, I, I mean, it, it is all-consuming. It, it, this, this job is um, comparable to the way our city has matured. Um, you know, it has it has become a full time job just because there are many facets to it. It's connecting with the community and staying, as you say, with these important issues. It's also talking across the country about what um, we are doing here and how to be comparable to progressive and cities with the same values that we have. And this year, I want to note that we've expanded internationally. Um, this tomorrow, actually, I'll be doing a conference with UN United Nations women mayors across the world so this job has lots of opportunities for um, participation by the mayor and I choose to be an active mayor I choose to represent our city I want to be where people are um, talking about the issues I want to be the place where jobs are going to continue to come in I want to make an impact on affordable housing mobility all of those things so it is a full-time job and I believe at some point the city will mature enough to say this is something and recognize it as a full time job. I hope that happens um, not during my tenure necessarily, but somewhere in the future that someone would look at it and say we've gotten to over 900,000 people. And it needs people to be able to focus on public policy to be able to dive into it and, and work with it full time. And even if it doesn't happen for you, for a predecessor, whoever that might be, uh, are you willing to advocate that this should be a change the city should make? You know, you talked to me about the priorities of what's important. I think it's important, but it certainly doesn't rise to the um, three priorities that I've had for myself personally and this role, which has been making sure people have a decent place to live, making sure they have a good paying job and connecting them, the ability to move around the city with um, transportation costs that are reasonable for families for, from all walks of life. So while I support many things, my priorities have remained consistent for the last three years. You mentioned mobility plan. Uh, the original estimate for it was eight to $12 billion. And we're talking about, you know, light rail, or we're talking about buses, we're talking about bike, bike trails. There's a bunch involved in like in that. But this week it was announced that it could cost 13 and a half billion. Um, that's a preliminary assumption that could change. Um, 
how do we as a city, a, a growing city, um, tackle this, this transit problem once and for all? I feel like, you know, I, I've been covering city government here for 15 years, and I feel like we've been, we've been talking about far beyond then, and, and I feel like we, we are struggling to make progress in this area. We are struggling to make progress in this area because um, Charlotte is um, a donor city to the federal government right now um, in terms of transportation because many of the transportation efforts and the mobility efforts in the federal government require a match by both the state and local government. And it's been difficult to make that standard meet the formulas that they have. You know, the, when we built the blue line, the federal government was funding at that time 80% of the cost. And we were making those contributions through our federal tax dollars as taxpayers to the federal government. And when we did the um, remainder of the line going up to UNC Charlotte, it had gotten really down to 50%. We've got to um, work as a country, as a nation. So I'm really su supporting the Biden administration's mobility and infrastructure plan. I do that because he is really working on the idea of mass transit. And this city's number one priority is to create reliable bus service so that people can go to work. We have two standards to make sure our buses are on a 15 minute schedule when needed to move people around during the time that they need to get to work and get home from work. And then we're also doing it in a clean environment. We're getting electric buses so that the diesel buses will come out of our fleet and electric buses will go in so that we have the kind of bus that you're willing to ride on. And, and, and I just really believe that the infrastructure plan is, is necessary and we need to be prepared. Other communities have already passed um, funding options that would allow them to apply because even again, the federal government is a competitive process. We're going up against other comparable cities. We need to be prepared to move forward. If this infrastructure plan passes, we have to figure out a way to pay for that local match. Final question. Uh, I, I feel like Charlotte is at her best when we're all rallying around a cause, whether that was the DNC, uh, you know, several years ago, eight or nine years ago, or even the RNC, or we're always trying to get that, that coveted Super Bowl at some point in the future. And I feel like, like most places, the pandemic sort of has us a little off. What do you feel like as the leader of our city is sort of like a, a rallying focus that we should all get behind as we go into live post-pandemic into 2021-2022? Ben, I, I know that we had a pandemic and it impacted many people in the city. It's still impacting particularly our hospitality industry. It's impacting getting people, um, women especially back in the workforce because there are issues around childcare and, and all of those kinds of things. But um, for me, I believe that this city never stopped working. Um, our police and fire departments, our planning department, everybody were figured out how to make it work. So I don't believe we're off. We got over 16,000 jobs during this time and we are really working hard on continuing both what we need to sustain ourselves long-term as well as taking care of the people. We put over $70 million of the CARES Act money right into um, people's pockets, people that residents' pockets, small business owners' pockets. And so I, I think you can do both. 
I don't think we're off our game. I think we were slowed down by our virus, but I think we did really well to continue to focus on both what's long-term and short-term. And when we- I wanna also say that I know that we're going to be um, starting football season sometime soon and soccer. Think about what we've done in the NFL. Look at what the Hornets have done. Those folks um, have really given us um, things that we can be proud of. Rookie of the year. That's not too too bad, you know. Right. So. Right. Uh, you, you, I know Tepper made uh, some statements recently. Um, you brought this up, so that's the only reason I bring this up. Um, you want to see the stadium stay in Uptown or around Uptown? I want to make sure that we are making the right decisions for every industry in the city. We need to look at the impact on um, what we do in terms of our tourism and our hospitality industry. And I wanna say the sports venues are a huge contributor to that. And coming out of this, um, I believe that we'll continue to support um, the efforts. We put a lot of uh, time and attention into um, the sports um, area. Um, we're beginning to work on esports. I think that we're going to continue to be that kind of town that you have a place to go if you're interested in sports. But look at the investment we've made in arts and culture this year. The idea that we have gotten working with the private sector over $20 million ready to help people that are creative, um, help our artists, to help our institutional um, foundations of our art museums and our, and our um, music venues and our performance venues. I'm, I think we're, we're doing pretty well. All right, with apologies to city staff because we've kept you about seven minutes over. Uh, Mayor Vi Lyles, Mayor, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ben. Have a good day and um, continue to keep us um, informed, but also continue to encourage us to be empowered. That's right, and happy 4th too. Mayor, thank happy you. Happy 4th. All right, take care. More Flashpoint after this. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. And trusting us on Facebook by giving WCNC Charlotte more followers than any other local TV news source. Thanks again for making us number one. Download the WCNC Charlotte news app and find out why WCNC.com is the number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. The number one local choice for TV news is WCNC.com. Download the WCNC News app today. Experience the difference. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home and on Facebook by giving WCNC Charlotte more followers than any other local TV news source. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. Welcome back to Flashpoint and happy Independence Day weekend. Before the pandemic hit, the number of co-working spaces exploded across Charlotte with new ones opening up on a regular basis. But with companies having employees work remotely or turning to hybrid models, what's happening with these spaces now? WCNC Charlotte's Michelle Bowden takes a look. These co-working spaces used to be really popular pre-pandemic with small business owners and entrepreneurs, but during COVID, they took a huge hit. Now, though, they're coming back, but with an entirely new customer base. It was April 2020. After spending five years building and opening four Huga co-working spaces across Charlotte, owner Gary Tishy shut them all down in the first few months of the pandemic. Business had been so good, the ink wasn't even dry on the lease he'd just signed for 20,000 square feet of additional space. And that was costing us 20 grand a month with no revenue coming in from it. 
and basically used every dollar of the $150,000 EIDL loan to keep that afloat. <laughs> just to give it back. The co-working spaces are open again, but membership is half of what it was pre-pandemic. And 80% of the people now working here are brand new. We're seeing companies um, that have sent their team full remote coming to us, so they just don't want to work from home. Um, We're seeing companies that have certain departments going full remote, coming to us. The owner of Advent Coworking says his revenue was down 35% at one point. But now his space is 85% full again. We are seeing an influx of members now. The husband and wife team behind the small business King's Press say they love having office space there at Advent. It's really chaotic at home. I can't even work at home before the pandemic. So I always needed a, a separate space. Exactly what these co-working spaces are counting on. Wide open spaces used to be the thing. Now, though, more members actually want a private office with their own door. And here's another interesting note. Most of the members are actually new to Charlotte completely. Reporting in Charlotte, Michelle Bowden, WCNC Charlotte. More Flashpoint after this. Tornadoes to tropical storms, severe weather is extreme weather, and we're here to keep you safe and to help you navigate your day. The First Ward team is there for you, no matter the conditions and the location. We're in your hand with the WCNC Weather app, and we'll always be there on WCNC Charlotte. So wake up, plan your day and your life. The First Ward Storm Team will be there for you. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Since the holiday, we decided to have a little fun here on Flashpoint. We too can even have fun. But of all these at your 4th of July cookout, which one has got to go? I personally said, peace out, potato salad. But that was controversial take, so a lot of people weighing in. We got everything. Some people even saying mac and cheese or watermelon. Let us know which one. Come interact with me on social media. Let me know uh, what you think what you're doing at your cookout or what politics you want to talk about. Either one, just let us know. Have a great, great rest of your holiday weekend.